Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Believe in Everything Auburn is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting this season, everything from NFL and bowl season to esports. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable. They're the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite leagues and events. So head to betonline.ag to join and receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. If you use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B L E A V, to receive those rewards. Bet Online, where the game starts. War Eagle, everybody. Welcome back to Believe in Everything Auburn. Jason Campbell and Taylor Davis here with you to break down everything in and around Auburn athletics. What's up, everybody? It is officially offseason. College football wrapped up last night in Los Angeles, the national championship snooze fest, I mean game, between Georgia and TCU, the dogs repeating as champions and closing out the 2022 season. Crazy enough, it feels like it just got here, but now we all look ahead to 2023, and the Tigers have certainly been putting in work to do just that. So Jay and I are going to get you caught up on what all has been going on around the football program. We'll also hit on some basketball content, talk about the game last night, maybe even get some NFL predictions now that we're into the playoff era. So it's a happy day around here, and we're looking forward to everything that 2023 is going to bring Auburn. So, Jay, we are, you know, of course, Auburn first, Auburn through and through, but the national championship happened last night, and we might as well go ahead and, and get into that. It's the most timely, you know, happening yeah, last night. It did, you know, I, I'm sure most people fell asleep by halftime, but uh, it certainly did happen. So let's go ahead and talk about it before we get into some Auburn news. You told me before we started recording that you've got some thoughts on this one. So let's let's fire away, man. Let's hit the ground running. <laughs> well, good evening, everybody. I uh, hope everyone had a, a great week and a great weekend. And I must say, I was so excited about this national championship game at first, yeah. based off the semifinals. Right, you know, the, the semifinals was was fanatic. It was awesome, and then all of a sudden last night, you, you know, you you, you get you order your food, you get all set, you situated, and you know the game comes on, and you just like, okay, you you know Georgia has a little bit more power than than TCU, but you sure. think like, okay, the underdog is going to try to come out and, and at least make it a, a ball game. And I must say that the committee got it wrong. Ooh. And I thought this three, four weeks ago because I watched TCU play Kansas State. And I saw how Kansas State just kind of powered them in running the football and, and beat them in the Big 12 championship. And I just said, there's no way they can go up against, you know, some of the powerhouses man for man and be able to to pull this thing out. And I think what happened is Michigan got caught looking ahead because I just cannot fathom my head around how did Michigan lose to TCU last night when I watched right. this game in depth because yeah. I just like they had to have gotten caught looking ahead. But that's what happens though, Taylor. Like when you have a month to prepare for for a team mm -hmm. versus a week to prepare. 
And I think TCU was able to draw up a lot of different things, disguise a lot of different things to, against Michigan, and and they was able to explore a lot of a lot of catch them off guard. And then you get in a game like this, where you really got to know how to flip the switch, and you really got to know how to prepare within a week to go against another another powerhouse. And it just kind of shows you that TCU was never in the game. No, and never, never in the game. And like I got to tell people, I say. The SEC is very, very tough. I say people can, yes, you can look up and beat a team out of the SEC in a bowl game because you got to prepare one time. You get a month to prepare. But when you got to play the schedule of an SEC, I like it goes to show you, you you separate the boys versus the men. And this is just another situation where you get into the playoffs. And last week it was, okay, you had a month to prepare. But now that's just like playing two big SEC games back-to-back. That's just like how we used to play Georgia and then turn around and play Bama. Yeah, that's true. You know, now they got now they play Michigan, now they had to turn around and play Georgia. And right. it just goes to show you, like, it is hard to keep getting up week after week against big opponents and and compete. That's why people always say, yes, two SEC teams in the, in the playoffs, you know, it's not a knock on everybody else. It's just facts. Mm-hmm. And it just goes to show you that, you know, I'm not even a Bama person. Like, that's our robbery. Yeah. But they were clearly a better football team than TCU. Like, 100% agree with you. But here's the caveat. TCU was ranked three. So are you saying it was wrong at three and four? Like, should Ohio State have been in there? Ohio State and Bama should have been alternating three and four. Okay. Yeah, just so, clarifying. So Ohio State lost to a top three team. You know, when they but lost. very handedly, but yeah, very handily. But then TCU barely beat teams this year that wasn't highly ranked, and right? And then Kansas State turned around and beat them in the Big 12 championship. You saw how bad Alabama beat Kansas State, exactly, like they beat them like a draw, right? So, <laughs> so it's just the fact that I understand they didn't want to put them in there because mm-hmm. they said, well, they was a two loss team, but yeah, they lost in two of the biggest hostile environments in college football. And it went down to the wire both times. It wasn't right. like they got blowed out. I said, and then on the other side of Ohio State, yeah, they lost one game to a top three team. TCU lost to Kansas State. Yeah, and- I know. I-, I feel like it It all shook out. But again, this is where the playoff expansion is the only answer because there is still so much – that can go wrong in narrowing it down to four because of all the parity within individual conferences, but then certainly within the power five, because you're right. Alabama's resume, they had two regular season losses. And then what LSU and Tennessee, especially Tennessee down the stretch, falling apart to South Carolina and then to Georgia, that did not help Alabama's cause at all because those two losses, they lost a little bit of their, understandability if if you catch my drift and so that made it challenging for them but you see down the stretch just the difference in skill level and you're absolutely right about the back-to-back challenging opponents I think you saw that the SEC is primed for this throughout the season because this is our reality and of course you know Sonny Dykes made the comment about the Citadel in week 10 but that's because 
those are our only breathers. No one in the SEC can be slept on. I mean, South Carolina showed that to Tennessee when everyone thought it was the Vols' year. Now, of course, that was once Hendon Hooker went down. But still, I think that having to be your best week in and week out serves you into the postseason. And you saw that, you know, in the playoff games and and certainly last night. TCU, everything that they had in the tank was put into last week's game. They had nothing left on either side of the ball. Yeah, you're exactly right. And that's the thing. Like, they don't have the manpower to get up week in and week out and play. Like, that's like the SEC. We usually have four teams ranked in the top ten exactly. at some point in the season. Or the and, depth. Yeah, yeah, or the depth. So, you're talking about usually seven, eight schools that's ranked in the top 25 yeah. in one conference. So, we beat each other up. And then we end up having to pay for it. But last night was embarrassing to have to watch a national championship game that looked so lopsided that was never – it was never a game. It was never a game. Like, and it was just – it's almost like Georgia was toying with them. They're doing curtain calls in the fourth quarter with 10 minutes left. So, <laughs> like, that's just embarrassing. It and is. It's, just, it's, it's a knock on the committee as far as, like, did you not look at your eye test? Yeah. Like, we understand what some of the records were saying. But your eye test tell you that TCU is not better than Ohio State or Alabama at the end of the year. Right. And I can much say they probably wasn't even better than Utah. I'm looking at the eye test, the teams that are playing the best towards the end of the year, and teams, I'm talking about, don't your schedule have to come into play? That's what I argued with everybody about 2004. Yeah. I was just like, our schedule was harder than USC schedule and Oklahoma schedule. Mm-hmm. How we be the team left out. And then you saw what happened in the national championship game. It was just like it was. It was the most lopsided national championship game since then. Absolutely. Because Oklahoma barely, they was like TCU that year. They barely beat teams that weren't even supposed to be in the game with them. That wasn't even ranked. They end up getting walk-off field goals to win games. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden they're in the national championship game against USC when it should have been us. Right. You know, so it's happened. Same thing happened this year. Yeah, I totally agree. And I saw all of the arguments for all of the situations. And, you know, it it's interesting because I think last week during semifinals, everyone was like, okay, well, maybe these are the four best teams because these games are incredible. But you're absolutely right. What Alabama did to Kansas State when Kansas State was TCU's only loss makes you question things. But the the kinds of games we saw last week it felt like that's what postseason is supposed to look like, right? They all came down to the wire. It was two shootout games. But then this week made you scratch your head. And I think the reality is for the past several years and this year in particular, the top SEC program, usually it's like the top two or three, but with some of Alabama's inconsistency this year, I'll just say the top SEC program is in a league of their own. They are just playing a different game than everyone else. And it starts in the winter. It is, it is recruiting. It is development. It is the caliber of competition that you play week in and week out that prepares you for moments like this. It's mentality. It's coaching. It's resources. You are in a league of your own when you are not only in the SEC, but you are the top program. You are getting the top athletes, the top coaches, and you are making the best team. You, No one is anywhere near it. And I know last week contradicts that argument, but look, those games, those stages, heck, Georgia could have been looking ahead, you know? I mean, that 
They knew what they were destined for. They truly believed they were going to repeat. They felt that halfway through this season. Let's all go back to week one last season when they put a pummeling on Oregon. And then Oregon was a team that people were talking about for the top four at some point during the season. Like Georgia from start to finish was in a league of their own. Does that mean that they were you know, incapable of a slip? No, of course. And I think Ohio State certainly had some offensive answers last week. But at the end of the day, a dominant team has both dominant wins and gut check wins. Georgia showed both. Well, the one thing about Georgia, we all knew what was their weakness. You could throw the ball on them in their secondary. Right. And that's what Ohio State did. They was yep. able to block them up front because they could man up power for power. Ohio State recruit SEC athletes. Yeah. You know, so they could block up and give Stroud the opportunity to support their secondary. Yeah. TCU could not block up and and, and everything. So and he cleared the quarterback. It's not the same breath as, as Stroud either, yeah. but he's still a good player. But they right. could, they couldn't block up. And yeah. in the way that Georgia ran the ball on him, there was times that Stetson Bennett ran untouched. Mm-hmm. On design runs, they mm-hmm. were trying to running back wasn't even touched for ten yards. Right, and so that just makes you just realize like this was just this was this was embarrassing. That I think they was trying to justify getting a Big Twelve team into the into the playoffs. Yep, and also trying to make it say like okay, they're not being biased by putting two Big Ten teams and two SEC schools in there, which is clearly the two biggest best conferences right now. That is one hundred percent the case. They are trying so hard to make this thing more even across the board, and obviously with conference realignment, that conversation is nowhere close to being done. But the reality is. The SEC is without question the top tier. The Big Ten is the closest thing to it. And the rest of them are just on a different level. I'm sorry, Pac-12, ACC, and Big 12. It's not the big guns, not yet. Right, and you listen to what Bo Nitt said earlier this year. Somebody asked him a question when he was doing the interview with him on college game day, and they said, so what's the biggest difference between being in Auburn and being in Oregon? Mm-hmm. And he was just like, Oh, it's a different style of play. It's different athletes. Yep. You know, it's just different. Like, think about it. He played in the SEC. When he goes to Oregon, everything looks slow to him. Oh, yeah. Because he used to playing with bigger and faster guys and going mm-hmm. against bigger and faster guys. So it, it is a huge difference. And you see yeah. what happens when TCU quarterback was playing against everybody else the rest of the year. But then when he went up against a Georgia defensive front and guys that you have to face like that, he did not look the same. No. And then, and plus their football team, they looked intimidated. Like, oh, yeah. they just looked intimidated after the first eight minutes of that game. It's almost like they was like, oh, crap. Mm-hmm. What have we gotten ourselves into? I, I would like to see what the ratings were after the first quarter. Oh, 100%. Definitely the second half. I mean, it was, I think, record viewership last week in the playoff games. And I would, I would be shocked if this year's national championship was not, like, a record low. I mean, it was, it was tough to watch. Uh, by the second half, I was online shopping while I had the game on, and I love football more than most people. You know, so if I'm not invested, no one is. Okay, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think that that's really the only answer at this point is expansion and let the teams showcase it themselves. Because I think if you leave it up to opinion and opinions of people who it is impossible to not have a little bit of your own bias and your own viewpoint. And we're all human and capable of mistakes, right? So we're still leaving it in the hands of a flawed system. And I think 
I think the result was going to be the same. I think Georgia was going to be the national champion, but I think it would have been a harder fought battle, you know, if, if this thing had been expanded and I think it would have been more compelling. So um, I certainly look forward to that being the case because this was such a snooze fest for a season that has been so entertaining and had such great games. Like this was just a very bland way to see it end. But another thing that it made me start thinking of, and I know there's not really a a good situation. I, I can see arguments to both the timing of player awards. You know, the Heisman is the one that I'm mostly referring to. And I'm not, you know, we are Auburn through and through. And so do I want to support Georgia? Absolutely not. Do I want to compliment them? I would rather not. But I don't think that the definition of the Heisman and what it stands for and what it represents deserved to go to Caleb more than Stetson Bennett. And I I just think his story, his journey, and and how he's played this season, the way he has led his team, the way he has created, especially last week. I mean, honestly, he won them that game. He was certainly had some errors early in the game, but he drove them down and led to the game-winning drive. Last night, he used his legs more. Like, I just... I don't buy that after this, you know, the the entire season, when you look at it in its entirety, I don't believe that he was not the best collegiate player. And so I, it makes me wonder, should these player awards and accolades be given at the very end of season? We do them so early, but there's more to see about these guys, you know? I mean, I think even what C.J. Stroud did last week was different than what he had shown the last few weeks of regular season. You know, it just, but I understand the argument for guys that aren't getting the opportunity to play into postseason. You're obviously going to be swayed by the guys that are playing longer. But, I mean, that seems like it's the case anyway, right? Look at the finalists this year. They were all the top teams in the nation anyway. So why not wait until you see the full catalog of their season. I, I, again, I see arguments to both sides, but it just made me think last night, like this guy, I'm, this guy is going to walk away with one of the best stories of college football. And yet he didn't get a Heisman. I, I don't know. I just, to me, it doesn't, it, it didn't go to the representative of college football this year. Right. And I definitely will say this. I, I say like, I agree with you on the awards, especially like the Heisman award. And, right. you know, some of those bigger tier awards, because, I want to see what guys do on the biggest stage. You know, yeah, everyone's watching. Yeah, uh, that's that's the that's the Heisman Award. Uh, from the standpoint of yes, I understand like conference awards because your conference has ended once you finish playing the sure. season and there's the conference championship. But your Heisman Award is your overall. That's that's the award over all the accolades and everything in college. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And I just don't think it should be a quarterback award. Agreed. It's gotten to a point where it's always become a quarterback award. That Carter kid from Georgia, who's going to be one of the top two picks yeah. in the NFL draft, yep. had it out had an outstanding season. Yep. I mean, outstanding. Like you said, Stetson Bennett had a great season. But let's be honest, he had a great second half of a season. Yeah. Because there was times early on in the first half of the season, everyone was talking about, well, you know, put the ball in Stetson's hand because, you know, they was kind of struggling, barely beating some teams. But then once he called fire, yeah, and he was just rolling, and he yeah. didn't look back. And you look at what he did on the biggest stage against Ohio State. They keep throwing Georgia back into the game, and 
critical times of the game. He made play after play after play. Mm-hmm. And I just think sometimes people get enamored with they get in the with just like five star athletes coming out of high school. You know, mm-hmm. people get they base recruiting classes off 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 the five stars. Yep. Let's just be honest. Most of the guys that make it to the NFL and have successful NFL careers weren't five stars in college. Right. They was three and four stars. And most of your five stars that you end up signing, people don't realize this, but half of them don't even pan out. Mm-hmm. I remember coming to Harvard and we had some other big time five star guys that signed. They didn't even make it through the first year. Right. And they end up having to go somewhere else. And your three and four star guys, some of them end up being some of the guys that made up most of your football team that were successful. So you have to stop getting, I think Stetson Bennett, he gets in a situation where because he was a walk-on, it kind of hurt him in a way when it came to awards because people were just like, oh, he's not supposed to be here in this position. Instead of saying, but if it was a five-star guy, what's the guy that was playing in front of him when they benched him? JT uh, Daniels. JT Daniels. Oh, yep. everybody. And we saw how that up. went. Right. They was all <laughs> up in arms about JT Daniels. Yeah. Oh, every Georgia fan you talk to, oh, man, we finally got a quarterback that can sling it. We, we finally got this and that. Then they played Clemson. They couldn't even score nine points. Right. And then all of a sudden, you know, Stetson gets the job. And even the, last year when they won a national championship, they were still questioning him all the way up to winning the national championship. Mm-hmm. And then this year he had to fight through some noise early in the season. And then at the end of the season, the story was written and it was – and he was standing at the end of it, you know, being applauded. Right. And I think had people stopped looking down on certain people because of, you know, they wasn't a five star, they wasn't the biggest name and all this type of stuff. People get caught up into names too much. And sometimes 100%. it costs you a national championship. Sometimes it costs you an opportunity to be on NF on successful NFL teams because they think the name is the one that's really doing all the work. Sometimes they're not always the hardest working people on your team. It's right. the others that are doing a lot of the hard work and busting their tails. I like what Kirby Smart said last night when they asked him after the game. He said, look, I have a locker room that haven't bought into all the, the hype and everything just yet. He said, we may be creeping a little bit, but we're not there. He said, our guys don't have a lot of egos. He said, they want to work hard because they see what hard work does for them. It produces championships. It gives them a platform. And that's what he enjoys the most. So when he speaks to those kids, they're quick to listen Mm -hmm. because they know the proof is in the pudding. That's where we have to get back to with our program at Auburn. We have to get back to accountability. And I think we're doing that. We've hired the, I think we got the right people in place. Now I think we're really going out recruiting our butts off to get the right people in there and everything. And you got to hold each other accountable because you got to have that mentality that stretches throughout your locker room and not these guys that want to just get everything but don't want the work. You know what I'm saying? We're about trying to win championships. Right. You're absolutely right. Championship mentality and brand, those things, they start from the ground up. They permeate through every piece of the program. And I think Georgia has certainly established that. And and they're going to be tough to come for, you know, and, and Bama will be chomping at the bit to regain that king of football title and obviously they sit with the number one recruiting class I think it's actually their best in history which is hard to believe but Georgia's right on their heels now and heck after another title you assume that more names are going to flock I also think that that's interesting to this Jay in they had back-to-back national championships which is a difficult feat in and of itself right but they had one transfer They had one 
transfer portal addition from last year to this year. They graduated 15 guys to the league. Remember last draft when we were sitting there and it was basically like a Georgia draft. All of those guys that went to the next level, they only took one from the portal and they still repeat. Like you just, you have to give credit where credit is due. It's, it's very impressive. The brand that they have built, what they have done in the toughest conference in college football, while the quote goat is still coaching, you know, it's not like Alabama has expectedly fallen off. Like they still are really in their era, but, but Georgia found a way to match and make their own. And uh, I, I think it's really incredible what Kirby Smart and his staff have done. But as an Auburn fan, you know, you you have a lot to aspire to, you know, seeing that it, it can be done. I even think looking at Tennessee's season is exciting and encouraging because Josh Heupel in year two was really making a run, you know, unfortunate injuries and, and things happen as they do in the game of football. But that's where that depth comes into play and, and the recruiting element and the development, like those pieces are being laid. And I think it's only a matter of time. I mean, LSU, even though they're kind of in some controversy right now, we're not going to talk about that, but nonetheless, there are, there are so many teams and programs that are just filled with resources and talent and, and great minds that any year could be someone else's turn to rise to that. And then it, it really can just grow from there if you've got the right pieces. So as an Auburn fan, you certainly hope that we're headed in that direction. And Coach Freeze and his staff have been putting in absolute work. I feel like every time I open social media, I'm seeing a new addition, a new signee, a new transfer, um, really positive news about Auburn. And and look, it's been a, a quick turnaround for him having to to take over and in the midst of of the transfer period and early signing day and all of it so plenty to be encouraged by and a lot of big names and and high profile gets that have already started to fill the roster so let's go ahead and run through some of those actually before I run through some of these names Jay and and some of the recent additions like we mentioned last week you know you you are staying involved and um, kind of have a better pulse on this coaching staff and and how they're attacking the transfer portal, how they're, you know, looking for talent and pursuing and um, kind of all the progress that's been happening. Take us inside a little bit as, as much as you can just about how they've kind of been going about this and, you know, guys that are out on the road and and talking to families and and just kind of the process that these guys are, are in the midst of because it, it really has been all hands on deck. Yeah, it's been everybody involved, you know, from every coach to every, you know, personal staff, even even the young girls that that's over the recruiting that have to pick the families up and show the families around all the facilities and different things. And then the NIL, you know, which I am a part of, uh, you know, educating the families and the players you know, about NIL opportunities and different things that once they're on campus and they've signed their letter of intent and they're on campus and enrolled in class and gone through class to, you know, to be able to come by the office and, you know, to sign their NIL contracts and then to know when they're getting paid and, and how they get paid and then also educating them about, you know, about their finances, how to create a budget for yourself and, and different things like that, because there's a lot of accolades and things that, that come up now 
where it used to just be kind of about the letter of intent and you just kind of get going in the classroom, get going in practice, but there's more layers now. And, you know, it's a lot of stress on, on everybody from a standpoint of you have to not only go out and recruit as a coach, but you also have to recruit the players that you already have. And then you have to go out and recruit the transfer portal and try to fill positions that you know that there's a higher need for. There's a lot of different layers that come into this, and uh, it has been an incredible job. It also has been a very tiresome thing, but in a in a good way because yeah. everyone has exhausted themselves to try to make sure this program gets back to competing and, and for championships and, uh, and playing at a high level. Uh, you know, everyone understands the importance of the football program at Auburn, how a lot of the other programs, you know, actually feed off of the football program. So it's important that you uh, that you go out and you try to get the guys and not just that Taylor like you're trying to make sure you get the guys that want to fit the program I couldn't agree more and and I certainly think that it it all seems positive from the outside looking in right it it seems like this coaching staff has has gelled and I think you know the closest reference point we all have was the last time we had a new head coach and and it didn't seem to be this I don't know. It, it it didn't seem to be this immediate or um, united, at least from the outside. And look, perception is an is an aspect of garnering the fan support, you know. And and at least it seems like that is cared about, you know. And and that hasn't always been the case where that was a priority. And we know for the Auburn family and the Auburn fan base that we want to be a part of it. Everyone wants to be a part of it and to feel like, you know, we're all kind of in this together. And it seems like in the first few weeks that that is at least what's being presented is, is a united front. And I think that better represents the brand than what we've seen in seasons past. So I, I just wanted to get your take on that, but um, let's go through some of the biggest names that have been coming out as of lately. Auburn is now up to number four on 24 seven sports rankings for incoming transfers. We are behind Colorado, Florida state and LSU currently with the caliber of transfers. We're up to 10 transfers right now. The most recent actually happening today, offensive lineman Avery Jones flipped his commitment. He was supposed to be going to Illinois to play for Brett Bielema. That was decided back in like mid-December, but he has flipped and is now committed to Auburn. He is an ECU transfer, and that is the sixth in five days, okay? A lot has been happening lately. He started all 12 games this past fall. For ECU, he is listed at 64305. So that is fantastic. But look, Freeze has done what everyone expected and what everyone hoped for, and that is go after offensive line help. And he has spoken about it publicly, saying this is a big boy game and you have to win the battle in the trenches first. And Auburn has not been up to par with that in in a couple years so he certainly has made efforts to do just that we also have western kentucky tackle gunner britain he's the seventh offensive line addition since breeze took over beyond that we have cincinnati wide receiver nick mardner this one really excited me because the guy is listed at six six and what did we say this past year we didn't necessarily have that 
big body, deep, you know, end zone corner, 50-50 ball guy. And and you hope that maybe he could be. He played for Marcus Davis at Hawaii. So that connection brought him to Auburn. We have also gotten South Florida running back Brian Batty. That one was an exciting ad considering, you know, we, we obviously are losing Tank Bigsby in the running back room. And so adding another name to that room is exciting. Maryland defensive lineman Mosiah Nasili Kite. Not sure if I did that right. LSU linebacker Demario Tolan, Purdue defensive lineman Lawrence Johnson, and also a couple big high school recruits announced their commitment to Auburn during the All-American Bowl, one of which is three-star cornerback Tyler Scott. That was a, another exciting one as well. So a, a lot of additions, Jay. I think that you know people are, are still hoping to see a quarterback name added to that room, and we'll get to that. But we it all starts up front. We say that all the flipping time, but you also, you know, you get a, a big body target at receiver. You add another back to that loaded room under Cadillac. You're you're getting some help on the defensive line from Maryland and Purdue and, and guys with a lot of big level playing experience, you know. And I, I think that, that that is a showcase that these coaches are looking for guys that can come in and play quickly and make an impact early. And to see the you know, the buy-in already, you know, sometimes with a new staff and a lot of question marks on a team, transfers aren't as willing to to join in in year one, right? Because there's so much unknown and, and you can't really know for sure how this is going to fare. But it seems like people have a lot of, you know, a positive outlook on Auburn's potential, even with all the newness. So talk to me a little bit about, you know, how these transfer additions have, have kind of stood out to you. It it is worth mentioning the fall transfer window ends in about a week, obviously national signing day is February 1st. And then the spring transfer window opens back up May 1st for a couple weeks. But if they want guys who are going to head to campus and be part of spring ball, which happens in March, they have to happen really within the next week. So still some things that that could be added, but what do you like about the guys that we have gotten? Yeah, great take. Uh, I'll say this. I I like about the guys, the main thing is the fact that you're getting guys with experience. Yeah. Uh, Anytime you're trying to rebuild your football program, and that's the one thing the transfer portal can do. It can kind of jumpstart you. And yes, we have a really good recruiting class as well. So we have a bunch of high school guys that's coming in and some are going to play this year because they're very talented Mm -hmm. and and some, you know, may, may not, but at the same time, your team can get going in the right direction. You can start getting some wins under your belt. You can start building your program back because you want to get to a point where your door is flooded with guys wanting to come to Auburn and Mm -hmm. you have to make a decision to, you know, where a guy got to make a decision to come or to, or he's not because somebody else is waiting to accept that offer and to and to come. That's just as talented. That's mm-hmm. the thing that Georgia and Bama is at right now is they have kids knocking down their doors trying to get in there. Why? Because they've been winning. It's not right. just about NIL. It's because of what they've been winning. But then it helps your NIL and it helps everything because then at that standpoint, you know, kids understand like, man, it's limited options to get into this school. And if I'm going to be there and I want to be there, I'm going to really have to make an effort and make a decision to go ahead and do what I got to do. And I think that's what we're doing. We're getting to the point where we're really getting a roster. I feel like we're good character guys as well, but guys that kind of fell in love with Auburn when they came on their visits, you know, three of these guys said, man, I didn't even know what to really expect. Mm-hmm. You know, I've never been to Auburn or much less played in the stadium before. 
I didn't know what to expect. And man, I'm just feeling the love from the whole Auburn people. You know, it feels like a family. And and I I have a different mindset about it now. I just I want to come here. And, you know, because that's the thing, getting the kids on our campus and stuff is it's the winner because oh yeah, it sells you know, itself. Yeah, it sells itself and then and then the people just love football, they love Auburn. And then on top of, you know, we have one of the better NILs in all of college football and the way that we operate it, you know, that helps as well on top of it. But first of all, the kids fall in love with the university mm. after being there and seeing it and, you know, and putting that uniform on and, and seeing themselves, you know, actually playing in that stadium, you know, it 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 is truly a great opportunity. And yeah. I just feel like understanding what your needs are. I think mm. that's what this staff has really done since day one. They've really approached it. They've gotten out of the community. They recruited their tails off. They uh, they put together a solid staff of, you know, old and young uh, established coaches that, that knows how to recruit, knows how to coach. And they just hit the ground running. And, and everybody has. And I just think that they understand the game is, like you said, it is built inside out. You know, everyone likes the outside stuff because of the appearance, but it's the inside that that's the the, the true seller. You know, that's the one yeah. that gets the engine going. And you saw that last night in the national championship game. If you don't have the big boys in the trenches, you're not winning. Yeah. And and I think Coach Freeze has done a good job <laughs> of his staff of going out getting a, a bunch of great offensive linemen. These guys are not just offensive linemen. They're some really solid, great players. You yeah. Know, they're the number one ranked in three and five guys and, and four in the board at their position you know uh that says a lot and it was a huge need Taylor. like we lost a lot of guys we only had one guy back on scholarship and, mm -hmm. uh, and two really at the offensive line position before the transfer report and for signing class started right so uh there was a huge need and defensive line you're, you're starting to see us filling mm -hmm. a lot of defensive line guys you know we lost some guys and you know that's a need and you're seeing us start to fill in and hopefully we get another big name today uh, we'll see. And hopefully we get another big name on the offensive line today. We'll see about mm, that. But we, we love it. Those, if we can get those two guys, you know, we put ourselves back in a position to definitely be able to compete in the trenches. We're mm -hmm. going to be good on the back end with DJ and Nehemiah. We're loaded with veterans and young guys that's going yep. to learn from those veterans that's going to fill in once those guys are gone. So we're loaded for the next couple of years secondary-wise. Now we're trying to beef up the front and, and the defensive front. So if we can just continue to work on that, continue to get those guys. And like I said, yes, they do want to add a guy at the quarterback position as well. You know, we only have one guy with experience right now at that position. That's Robbie. You know, right. we all know that TJ is not probably going to be here. He's come out and said he's probably transferring once he graduates in the spring. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, so you need someone to come in and compete and everything as well. But, you know, getting the big-time receiver, the Nick Martin kid, sits, sits. But I tell you what, Taylor, he's even a better person. When you talk nice. to him on the phone, it's all about, I just want to work hard, man, and just, you know, bust my tail to help this team win. All right. You know, he has the right mindset. So, you know, to get him, and like I said, we still got a couple of days left in this before, mm -hmm. before we close the chapter on it and move to February signing class and then – get through spring ball and find out some more needs that we may need to get to, to have to go out and find in May once the next transfer report opens up for three weeks. But mm -hmm. this is the reality of football. Like I tell these kids, you are now welcome almost the NFL into college. Mm -hmm. And if you're going to welcome that, then you better get ready to start getting treated like one. I said, because it's going to become like a business. And yeah. if you don't produce, what do you think is going to happen? 
they're going to find someone to replace you. Mm-hmm. Because what happens is coaches get fired quickly nowadays, but they have huge buyouts. But at the same time, if you want to compete and, 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 and you're asking for certain amounts of money and different things like that for your name, image, and likeness, then comes with that it's a lot of uh it's a lot of work yeah and a lot of respect to to keep it up you mm-hmm. know so people not just gonna hand you stuff just to be handing it to you so right that's why i said these guys better start understanding that and understanding that hey your roster can change every year now you don't just have to have 25 30 recruits you can flip 30 45 people in a year Jeez. so <laughs> Your whole football team, half your football team can look different each year if you're not doing what you're supposed to do. Yeah, it's definitely a different era. We say that all the time, but definitely is exciting. These guys that are wanting to be a part of this. We also have 13 mid-year enrollees who are now on campus now that spring semester has started. So we are already looking ahead to fall 23. You love it. But yeah, I think the positions that still make people, you know, raise an eyebrow a little bit are quarterback. And I would also say edge because we are losing Derek Hall, Colby Wooden, obviously Echo Leota was out a, a large portion of season, but he won't be back either. So not just defensive line addition, but you got to have some stout pass rushers. I mean, you got to have some guys that are going to wreak havoc off the edge, really get into the backfield. So I would like to see those two positions beef up if possible. Um, you know, I think what everyone is is obviously looking into is Spencer Sanders. I, I think that he's the name that has been closely tied to Auburn for the past few weeks. And the rumor mill really got active at one point with several verified accounts saying that an announcement was expected soon. And, and he kind of tweeted and debunked it. It's just crazy right now. But Brennan Armstrong was also closely tied, but he has officially committed to NC State after we released our episode. As expected, Sam Hartman announced his commitment to Notre Dame. So, I mean, really the big names with a lot of experience have kind of found their home other than Spencer Sanders. So while I I definitely think he's a great athlete and I think he would do well at Auburn, that's also part of the reason is because everyone's looking around going, okay, well, if it's not him, then who is it? You know? So we'll, we'll definitely keep an eye on that. Supposedly Ole Miss is in the mix as well. So who knows how that one's going to shape up. But again, it'll have to happen this week if it's going to happen by spring ball. Uh, Otherwise it will reopen in May. And of course, like you pointed out to me, conversations can still happen, but no official visits, no commitments or anything like that until that spring window opens up May 1st. So we will see how it all transpires, but Let's talk a little basketball because the Tigers are number 21 in the week 10 rankings after a home win over Arkansas this past Saturday, where the man himself, Jason Campbell, was in attendance and can give us a little take on the court, a 13 point win over the number 13 team in the nation at that point, Arkansas. Um, Five SEC teams are currently in the AP poll, number four, Alabama, number five, Tennessee, number 15, Arkansas, and number 20, Missouri. And then we're coming in at number 21. We play tonight uh, against Ole Miss and then another home game Saturday night against Mississippi State. So I unfortunately have not gotten a chance to see the Tigers in person so far this season, but Jay, give us a little take on what you're seeing. Obviously, we talked last week coming off that loss to Georgia. How did they bounce back against Arkansas this week? I went to the basketball game 
totally different basketball team that played against Georgia earlier that week. That's great. Um, you know, our guards didn't turn the ball over as much. We never trailed in the game. Uh, that was that was an awesome sign because Arkansas is a really good basketball team. They're very well coached. And I feel like if you can beat a team like Arkansas the way that we played the other night, then you can probably find yourself getting on a winning streak in the SEC. Yeah. And it starts tonight at Ole Miss. And, you know, this is a big game for us. And But when you think about it overall, though, you know, KD Johnson kind of played his role very well, very active on defense, uh, you know, wasn't shooting too many balls out of control. Uh, you know, I, I guard play. I, w- I wish we can get, you know, Zep to shoot just a little bit more. You know, mm-hmm. he's a good shooter, but he won't shoot. You know, yeah. he's, he's more of a, you know, a disher and dasher. But uh, if he can just get the more confidence to shoot, that'll help. Uh, you know, getting Trey, Trey off the bench. He did a good job at the guard position where he's able to hit a couple of plays and, and get inside. But the biggest thing where we won that was inside our inside presence with Johnny Boom. Mm-hmm. Uh, Johnny Broom was he's was a great ad. He has gotten better and better. I think he's caught up with has caught up with the speed of the SEC, yeah. caught up with the speed because you know, coming over from Moorhead State. Mm-hmm. I think he's uh he's now catching up and uh, I think he's gaining confidence uh game by game. And I think he's gonna good. be a uh, a really good player for us. And I, I would say this, um you know, even Wendell. Wendell had a really good game this game. Like yeah. he, he shot the ball good, but he's very efficient in getting to the basket. And he's a very good finisher around the basket. Mm-hmm. I, I like the fact that sometimes he that's not his only thing is shooting a three. Like he hasn't shot the three as well as he shot the three last year. But the one thing he is doing is he's finding a way to get to the basket. And you always find out about your players after a tough loss. And mm-hmm. he didn't have a good game against Georgia. But he came back this game. He showed, you know, he, he showed up and he had a great game and uh, and everything. So, you know, I, Flanagan. Flanagan is, is, is kind of like your – you know, he's the the straw that can kind of stir the drink, really. And yeah. Because he's so athletic. You know, he can get to the basket. You know, sometimes he can shoot the three in his own point, and sometimes he may miss the rim. You know, that's just <laughs> it with him when it comes to him. But he's so athletic, though. And I think in this game, he was so active on defense, so active on the offense. He hit a couple of big threes. That was uh, every time Arkansas got ready to make a run, he would hit a big three. And, and and like I said, if he can continue getting back to the Flanagan before his, his injury, mm-hmm. I think that he would add so much to his basketball team moving forward for the rest of the year. But I say this, the crowd noise was was awesome. The fans uh. was into it. Uh, it was one of the best college basketball atmosphere, a night game on a Saturday, um, you know, in Auburn, you know, 7.30 tip-off. Like, what better can you ask for? You know, yeah. it was just an awesome time. And I feel like Bruce Pearl – you know, he's he's going to continue to fight. He's going to continue to try to get the best out of these guys. And I think he's challenged them, Taylor. I think he really did challenge them because the rotation looked a lot different this past Saturday hmm. than it has the first couple of games of this year. Well, that's great. I, I mean, that's one thing that we said last week, you know, toward the end of that Georgia game, Pearl had his starters benched. I mean, like, my guy doesn't mess around. He means business. And if they are going to slip up, they're going to learn from it. That is not something that he has given anyone any reason to doubt. So very exciting. I will definitely have to get down to a game at some point this year. Uh, Golly, the basketball environment that we have created in Auburn, I'm still not over it as someone who was in school during a time that no one went to basketball games. I love to see it and I'm so proud of that program. So if you're around, 
Saturday night, I believe it's 7.30 again, Mississippi State. Several road games over the next couple of weeks. So if you're in and around Auburn and you get the chance to go support, make sure you do. Also make sure you support the gymnastics team who has officially kicked off their season. An incredible start to season last week in Las Vegas, the inaugural Super 16 meet with a stacked field. But the Tigers put up a 197.35, which is a program best season opening mark. They only trailed Oklahoma, obviously, reigning champs, and Michigan. Oklahoma with a 197.925 and Michigan 197.4. Everyone is kind of already in midseason form, which is crazy. The fact that this many teams are putting up 197 to start the season just goes to show what kind of talent we've got across NCAA gymnastics this year. So very exciting. And as expected, Suni Lee in elite Form. She leads the nation in the all around with a 39.75. She hit a perfect 10 on the beam and a 9.95 on bars. So it is going to be a great season for the Tigers. They'll continue their season this week. Actually, I am going to be working their meet next Friday, a home meet. So if you are around Auburn, make sure you get your tickets to that. But I think that's going to do it for us here. I'm believing everything Auburn. As always, Jason and I greatly appreciate you guys listening and following along. Make sure you subscribe if you haven't already. You will get a notification every time we release an episode. Jason, any final thoughts while I'm having a coughing fit over here? Oh, final thoughts is, uh, you know, what a great weekend. NFL playoffs is here. Uh, oh, yeah. Give me like in. your give me your front runner right now, Jay. My in front the runner are the Chiefs, okay. and I would probably have to go with – I had the Eagles, but since Jalen mm-hmm. got hurt, they haven't looked the same. True. So the NFC is going to be a lot. I'm going to go with Chiefs and 49ers rematch in Super okay. Bowl from a couple yeah. of years ago. Definitely will be interesting. But, yeah, playoffs start this week. We'll see how all of that shakes out, and we'll keep you posted on that, along with all the news around Auburn. Thanks for listening, everyone. Have a fantastic week. Until we talk again, War Eagle. War Eagle, everybody. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.